So we've been in this series called Loving Generously, and we've had this video clips a little bit different than what we usually do, but there's been a lot of participation. I'm not going to ask you to get up and move like I did last week. But it was good, though, because I had somebody, two or three people, that tell me, you know, I met some people that I never even knew come to Heritage. So it was a good thing to do. Matter of fact, one guy said, I invited a couple of people to come to my small group, to my missional community. And so I figured, Tom, we ought to just do that every week. Wouldn't take very long to fill up our groups doing that. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to go back and review the, the past four weeks, but, um, but last week I, I do want to just sort of touch. What happened last week? Does anybody remember? What happened last week? They were, they were going to get married, right? So at the end of that, um, they're going to get married. There was a meeting that was called, and uh, there was a sort of a threat that came down from the, the local homeowners. And um, Frank's, Frank basically said, you know, hey, you know, I'm just not going to be threatened. Um, and then there was a passage of scripture that he shared. It was out of, the book of, out of the book of John. And I wanted to read that to you because I thought it was a really good verse for us to remember. John 15, 19, he said, the world would love you as, as one of its own if you belong to it. But you, you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. And then there was a gift that was given to Thomas and Julia, who's this young couple that Frank and Cassie have begun investing their life in. Um, there was something that they, they gave them. And do you remember what that was? What was it? It was a plaque, and on that plaque it was what? There was, there was one to A, which meant one to another. And uh, there was something that, that Cassie said sitting around the table as they were sitting around the dinner table. When you guys came in, when you came in, uh, Julia, we, we thought that you would be here for a long time. We didn't know that your time would be this short, but we understand that, that you're getting married and you've got a good reason to move out. But we as a family have made a decision that what we want to do is we want to leave this apartment open, that anybody... Uh, that is in need, that in the days ahead, this apartment, we're going to name it one to a, one to another, uh, and we're going to dedicate it to you guys. And it will be something that we want to do as a family, that this room will always be open. It was a resource that God has given us, and we want to leave it open for people that are in need. And we, we, we basically said last week, there's not a lot of us in this room that have an extra bedroom or have an extra apartment that might be available as a resource. But we ended up by saying this, what is it that God has blessed us with that we have the ability to share with others that might be in need? And it may not be something that's material. It might be your time. It might be your time. So what we want to do today is we want to pick up this part of the journey as we finish up our series on loving generously. And after we watch this little video clip, I want to come back and read some passages of Scripture to you. And then I want to ask, ask you some questions. And kids... I want to make sure that I ask you, can you can be a part of the questioning time too, okay? Is that good? Because I think what you have is just as important as what your parents have to say, okay? So let's watch this video clip together. Yes, it is, Ray. Where do these go, Dad? Over there by the gazebo. 
Frank. Hey, Eddie. Victoria's called a meeting with a bunch of the neighbors. I don't know what she thinks she's trying to do, but I thought you should know. All right, thanks. Anything I can do to help set up? Oh, you can ask your own patent right there. You got it. Good Lord. Everything okay? Everything's fine. You need help with that? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay, let us know. Can't wait. Thanks. They're really going to call the police. Is there something we should do? I'm open to suggestions. What's wrong? It's just... Mark and Marianne, of all people? Yeah. Don't you look pretty? Thanks. Hey, I just talked to Allison. She said her parents won't let her come. Some people just really don't want us to have the wedding here. Yeah, she asked if we were having cake or doing a soup line. <laughs> Frank. What? It's funny. That's... I don't think that's funny at all. I'm sorry, sweetie. Whatever. If they don't get it, that's their problem. Where is everybody, anyway? But surely, you're not really gonna call the cops. I mean, do they even handle this sort of thing? We're going through a refinance. What happens when the appraiser shows up and sees the United Nations down the street? They're the ones forcing the issue, not me. I gave them fair warning. Eddie, I'm glad to see that you- Everyone. This is Thomas Murphy and his bride-to-be, Julia. They have something they'd like to say. We never set out to cause anyone any trouble. And we certainly never expected our wedding to be a cause of conflict. In fact, we've generally gotten pretty used to not expecting anything from anyone. But Frank and Cassie have shown us that it is possible to receive totally unexpected and undeserved love from the most unexpected people. Maybe you all have relationships like that already, and I hope you do, but please don't punish the Donovans for showing generosity to us. We'd be honored if you'd join us this evening at our wedding. Frank and Cassie have invited us into their lives, and we'd like to invite you into ours. Cassie? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, don't be. We were just praying for you guys. Should you be getting ready? Well, since you all are basically our wedding party, um, we wanted to give you a gift. One to another. It's perfect. Thank you. Oh, and Cassie, if you don't mind, I do have one request for Frank. Hey. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good. Good, good to see you, Good to see you, Cassie. David. Good to see you. <laughs> you want to get inside? Hey. Hello. Hello. Wonderful. Hey. Pleasure. Good to see you, see you again. Hello. Thanks, kiddo. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'm... 
Hi, Victoria. Last chance, Frank. Do I need to call the police? Do what you have to do. Frank. Room for seven or eight more? Always. I guess you guys are it. Come with me. Last chance, Victoria. We're gathered here today to inaugurate and celebrate Julia and Thomas, your new life together. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Many of us, myself included, stand here today because our burdens, which were too heavy to bear, were borne by others. The phrase one to another appears more than 90 times in the New Testament love one to another, be kind one to another, submit one to another. Jesus summed up all of these one to another's in a single sentence. Whatever you wish others would do for you, do also for them. This golden rule sums up the whole law, he says. Let us pray. Gracious God, May you bless the union of Thomas and Julia. Give them the power and strength by your Holy Spirit to love each other well. Amen. Now, if I were Thomas, I'd want this old preacher to hurry things up. <laughs> so in the spirit of the golden rule, let us be generous to this suffering young man. <laughs> Thomas, do you have a symbol of your love and commitment to Julia? Now, Thomas, repeat after me. I, Thomas. I, Thomas. Take you, Julia. Take you, Julia. To be my lawfully wedded wife. To be my lawfully wedded wife. Let's look at some passages of scriptures together. Isn't that good? 
Oh, my goodness gracious. Got a little tear coming down the side of my face. How many of you guys wanted to stand up and cheer when, when she said, Victoria, the last chance? <laughs> you, had to be, you had to sort of watch the series all the way through. Listen, look, look with me in the New Testament to, uh, to the book of Romans, and I want to share a passage of Scripture with you here. I got a lot of feedback coming up. Romans, Romans chapter 10. There we go. Let's, why don't we read some of this together. What I want to do, for those of you that haven't been with us, um, I, want to, I want to read some passages of Scripture. Let's talk about them really briefly. And then what we do is we go back and we sort of, there's a time of question and answering, and we do that together out loud. And then I've got a question that I want you guys to be able to talk together amongst one another as we, uh, as we talk about uh, what it means to love generously. But Romans chapter chapter 10 in the New Testament, here are the, what, here are the words of Paul today in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Let me read this to you. And this is what Paul writes. Parents, if you happen to have your Bible with you, it's a great time to maybe even take that out and, and to help your, let your kids read along with you. And if you don't have that, we'll have the words up on the screen. And here are the words of Paul. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Listen, <clears throat> let me stop. There are those that are very easy to love and there are those that are very not easy to love. Can I get an amen? amen. I didn't say your spouse. <laughs> but there, how many of us have a Victoria in our life? Yeah. Let me take you back to verse 9 just for a second. This is, this is what he said. Don't just pretend to love others. Anybody ever pretended to love somebody or you care for somebody if you don't really care for them? But Paul says in verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And if there's one thing that we've talked about throughout this series, it's, it's been this. How many of us love people that love us back, but we struggle with loving people that don't have anything to give us back? I mean, it's easy for us to love people that can do something for us, but, but how many of us love people that can't do anything for us, that have nothing to give us? At Heritage, one of the core values, one of our core values is people matter. People matter. You know why? People matter because. Because they matter to God. Steve, you matter. You matter. You matter. I would hope that I matter. We love others by choosing to put others first, by following what Jesus taught us, what we saw in Jesus' life. We follow that example. And if people matter to Jesus, they should matter to us. All people matter. Paul goes on to say in verse 11, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Pray that God will bless them. That's really hard, isn't it? It's really hard when somebody hurts you because our natural instinct is, I'm going to hurt you back. But here Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. These are, listen, you want to talk about living 
generously, loving generously, live in harmony with one another. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. I wonder why in the world he put that in there. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We want to know how to love generously. Paul tells us. So the next time you're struggling, go back and read this passage of Scripture. It's a great passage of Scripture because it, it really identifies with a lot of stuff that we struggle with, don't it? I want you to flip over, if you, if you, if you're, if you can, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to read another passage of Scripture to you. If not, you can read it up on the board. It's in the New Testament, another one of Paul's words that he wrote. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And this is what Paul said. You know the generous grace. Somebody tell me what grace is. How do we define grace? Grace is what? Undeserved, unmerited. What else is grace? Something that we don't deserve. You know the generous grace God gives us, something that we don't deserve. The generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich. Now that word rich, you can underline that word rich. Because that, that word in the Greek means um, abounding in resources, wealthy, wealthy in supplies, wealthy in resources, more than you need. You know, you hear the, you hear the verse, the cattle, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Our heavenly father is very rich, rich, but not only rich in resources from a material perspective, but also rich in mercy and rich in love and great in love is what Paul said in the book of Ephesians in his letter there. He was God in the flesh. Here's Jesus, God in the flesh. And yet, though he was rich, he became poor, is what Paul says. For our sake, he became poor. I want you to think about that. So that word rich means with resources, with supplies, with wealth, cattle on a thousand hills. And all of a sudden, it says that he became, for our sake, he became poor. So that word poor in the Greek means reduced to the beginning, without resources, helpless, destitute, powerless, without resources, without position. He voluntarily came to this earth. Scripture tells us about Jesus coming to the earth. And he goes on to say so that by his poverty, he could make you, us, rich. What did Jesus do for us on the cross? What was it that we earned by a price that was paid through salvation? You want to talk about being rich and you want to talk about some things to be thankful for? Man. I want you to turn back now to John chapter 12, the book of John. John chapter 12, verse 24. I want to read to you some words here. John chapter 12, verse 24, and, and this is... Hear what is said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new 
lives. Jesus had to go to the cross and he had to die. But Jesus' death was the precursor to the resurrection. It was a demonstration of his power over sin and death. So for us to live, Jesus had to give the greatest gift of all, and that was his life. For us to live, you have to give the greatest gift of all, and you know what that is? Your life. You have to die to self. And then when dying to self, you gain the greatest and the most of all, you gain life. It's that paradox we've talked about. Does it make an awful lot of sense? It would seem that the more that we hold on to things, that the, the richer we would become. But it says, no, unless it dies. And so the strength comes in in dying to self. And you know who also wins in that process? Others that are around you that see you dying to self and you becoming more like Christ. Others win. Kim, Kim's life is radically changed. Why? Because of the testimonies of multitudes of others around her. Belinda, like you, that she saw that your life was different. She saw that you weren't living for yourself, but you were living for Christ. You had died to self, and as a result of that, she saw a difference. Hannah, she saw a difference in your life. Wes, she saw a difference in your life. Johnny and Chris, she saw a difference in your life because you had chosen to die to self. When we die to ourselves and love generously as we should, the lives of others are impacted. Jesus goes on to say in verse 25, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor everyone who serves me. And then lastly, in Matthew chapter 7, there in the book of Matthew chapter 7, we see what's called the golden rule. Matthew 7 verse 12, do to others whatever you would like for them to do to you, and this is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the prophets. Kindness and love is a reflection of what our Heavenly Father shows us every, every day. Let's have some question time now. Let's go back and, and, and talk about what we, uh, what we saw. After, here, here you've got coming into the picture, you've got Eddie coming to Frank and telling, telling Frank what was going on, what Victoria was going to do. There's going to be a meeting. What in the world do you think was going on in Frank's mind? What do you think was happening in Frank's mind? Up front in the video, Eddie comes to Frank and says, man, listen, I just want to tell you they're having a meeting down there and they're talking about all this stuff. What do you think's going on in Frank's mind? Disappointment? Disgust? Worry? You think Frank was concerned about the couple and what was going to happen? He wasn't really thinking about himself. He was more concerned about what was going to happen to to, uh, to Julian, to Thomas. Um, you know, you've got the Mark and the Marianne and, and the daughter, Megan. Um, how do you think that Mark, how do you think that Frank and Cassie would describe Mark and Marianne before all of this stuff happened? Mark and Marianne were one of their close friends um, that had basically 
come up under the influence of Victoria? And how do you think that, that Frank and Cassie would have described Mark and Marianne? Do you think that they would have described them maybe as good friends? How do you think they felt about being, you think that maybe they felt betrayed? Yeah. Um, who was it that influenced Mark and Marianne? Victoria? The mean, nasty lady who just happened to be the one that was over the... Yeah. Let me ask you this question here. Do you ever think about yourself of being an influencer? Because, see, Victoria just didn't influence Mark and Mary Ann. She also influenced Megan, too, didn't she? And that hurts. Do the way that you live your life and the conversations that you have, do they take people closer to Christ or they lead you other people farther away? I want you to think about that just for a second because every one of us in this room are an influencer. Every one of us in this room have an influence on the lives of other people. And for those of us that are professing believers, we have the opportunity to have an influence. I'd hate to believe that any one of us in this room would be and act and carry ourselves like a Victoria. But I would dare say that every one of us in, the, in this room, including myself, have been in that position where at some time in life I've acted like a Victoria and I've had a bad influence on the lives of other people instead of a right attitude, a right influence on the lives of people. Would everybody agree? I think this is just a reminder. We think that our influence is just with that person, but our influence goes farther beyond the people that we see. And we saw that as, as Kim talked to us. You know, she shared some of the stories. There were people and the influence. Our influences go far beyond because you got Johnny and Chris influencing Kim, and Kim is influencing so-and-so, and so-and-so is influencing so-and-so. And either you're going to be an influence for Christ or against him. Victoria said, um, so they're meeting together, and they're talking about the subdivision, and Marianne says, well, surely you aren't going to call the cops and another lady said something about refinance and, and what they'll do when they show up and all of a sudden they see the United Nations, you know. You know, she's concerned about her own financial status. And Victoria said she come back and she threw the, the blame back on Frank and Cassie. Do you remember what she said? She said, they're the ones forcing the issues, not me. It's their fault. If they would just, and then she says this, if they were just to do what I want them to do, we would be okay. And then she tops it off by fair warning. She says, she says, I gave them fair warning. Eddie comes in and he joins the meeting and he, and he brought some guests. Um, what was it that Julia and Thomas did when they came in and they spoke to the group? What did they say? You remember? What'd you say? That's right. They talked about the influence that Frank and Cassie had had on their lives, and they wanted to. They had invited them into their lives, and and here it is. Julia and Thomas want to invite them into their lives, and they give them an invitation to the wedding. Now that's sort of odd, isn't it? I mean, here's somebody that has persecuted them, that has treated them wrongly. And all of a sudden, they're turning around and they're saying, hey, 
We want to invite you into our lives. Even though you're trying to exclude us from your lives, we want to invite you into our, our lives. And then Thomas says something. We've gotten pretty used not to expecting anything from anyone. We've gotten pretty used to not expecting anything from anyone. What do you think Thomas was saying there? Huh? People are not usually kind. Yeah. You know, we've gotten pretty used to people just sort of treating us like trash. Thomas is blind. I'm a former prostitute. We, you know, we've, we've gotten used to the, we understand. We know what it's like. We're used to this. We've gotten pretty used to expecting, not expecting so much. But Frank and um, and Thomas had made the comment about they had received so much from Frank and Cassie that they wanted to be able to pass it on. And they asked, do not punish the Donovans for showing generosity to us. That's what she said. Um, and in spite of all that mean and nastiness, they, they wanted to invite them into their, their lives. What is the normal response when somebody treats you wrongly? Somebody want to give me an ex somebody want to give me a, an example from this week around Thanksgiving? <laughs> Any conflicts happened over the past week where somebody's treated you wrongly, said something about you, and how did you respond to that? I'm picking up my cookies and I'm going home. Or better yet, I'm going to the movies. You just stay here and I'm going to the movies and I'm going to do my own thing. I mean, think about it, how you treat others or how you respond when you feel that you have been mistreated. Matter of fact, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a couple of minutes and parents and adults and people that are here, I want you to, in these little, in these little clusters that we've, we've been doing the past few weeks, I want you to involve your children or the children or the youth or the teens that are around you. I want you to have a discussion about how do... We respond to people. How, what's the normal way that we respond to people when somebody hurts us? So, so talk about that for just a second. Talk about this. For just a, how do I respond? How do you respond? What's the natural response when somebody hurts us? Talk about that just for a second amongst yourselves. You guys in the balcony participate as well. All right, I want you to give me some answers. I want to hear some answers from some children. Okay, here we go. Children, how do your parents act when they've been hurt? Don't answer that question. 
What are some natural responses when somebody hurts us? What? What do we do? You cry? Walk away? Pay back? What'd you say? Who? Oh, groundation. Oh, you get grounded. Okay. What do you do when somebody hurts you? Yes. A fist fight. Oh, that's bad. Not with your mama. I mean, parents, let's think about this. How do we respond? I mean, we can just clam up, not say anything. We can get really, you know, Vic, you know we can get like mad and we're going we're gonna to get them back and retaliate and all this other kind of stuff. Now, let me ask you the question. Where, how should we respond according to what the Scripture has to say? I'm not saying how we want to respond, and I'm not saying how we think we should respond, but what does the Bible say that we should do to those who hurt us? Where does the power to, to bless those who've hurt you come from? I want you to think about that just for a second. Where does the power to forgive come from? Where does the power to bless those who persecute you come from? Where does the power to love those that have hurt you come from? Where is the, where is the power to pray for those who persecute you come from? The power of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit that for those of us that are believers that, that lives within inside of us, that's where it comes from because in the natural we can't do that. It's impossible. It's impossible. I mean, how many times was Jesus asked? I mean, how many times? I'm sorry to tell you. Forgive. But we can't do that on our own. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Where does the power to love the unlovable come from? What did they see Frank and Cassie doing when Julia came back to the house? What, what were they doing? Where do you think Frank and Cassie's strength came from? Yeah. So here they are. They're welcoming people at the wedding. Victoria shows up. She's got her phone in hand. I'm just a nasty woman. Do I need to call the police, Frank? I do what you got to do. Last chance. <laughs> and then the friends show up. And you know what hurt the most? What was the best part about that is love won. Victoria lost her influence. And love won. And I've played it back, and I've played it back, and I've played it back, and I've played it back many, many times, and I've watched the facial expression of Victoria when Cassie comes back and says, last chance, Victoria. Last chance. We don't ever see Victoria at the wedding, do we? What kept Victoria from being at the wedding? Boy, it didn't take y'all long to acknowledge that. <laughs> <clears throat> Y'all been waiting for that question, hadn't you? Pride, baby, pride. 
what, what keeps us from humbling ourselves and submitting ourselves and surrendering ourselves to Christ? Yeah. What is it that keeps us from making things right with people that have hurt us or wronged us? I wonder if there's any of us in this room that are being kept from experiencing the greatness of what it's like to love generously because of pride. That because of your pride, you've missing, you're missing out. wonder how many of us, because we're missing out. We're professing believers, and I mean we come and we do the Christian well, the supposed Christian things that we're supposed to do, yet we're missing out on the greatest opportunities of all, of what it means to truly love generously. Let me say this about Victoria, and let me say this about every one of us in this room, because every, every one of us in this room have the same tendencies, and listen to this. Bitterness and anger will destroy us you think that Victoria had ever been hurt in the past? I bet she had somebody in her life that had looked to her one time and said, last chance, Victoria. Last chance. And as a result of her hurt and her pain and unforgiveness and pride, she was willing to hurt others. Watch this little video clip as we close out. Jesus told his followers in John 12, Truly I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. A seed unfallen is a seed unplanted. A seed unplanted is a seed unfruitful. Before my life humbled me, I was a proud man in a barren life. Even with loved ones, I felt alone. But in losing everything, I discovered what endures. I learned the one thing I need forever is the one thing the world can never take. When a seed falls to the ground, it splits open. New life begins to flow from its womb, and it grows out of its brokenness, spreads new roots and shoots toward the sky, and begins to bear fruit. The fruit it creates is for the feast table of God where people of every tribe and nation are gathered. And around that table is a fellowship unlike any you've ever known. In other words, true community forms among brothers and sisters who are dead to themselves and serve one another. We all want true community, but few are willing to accept the dying part that comes first. Frank and Cassie invited the poor into a banquet with their rich friends. And now those same poor invite the rich to their wedding. The golden rule, which Jesus says sums up the whole of the law and the prophets, bids us to serve and honor and love others in the same way that we would have them serve and honor and love us. It summons us to a table where all are welcome, where everyone has a name, and where each one cares for the other. What can you do right now to show love one to another? How can you welcome those the world excludes, honor those the world scorns, love those the world despises, and lift up those the world has trodden down. How can you, like the seed, fall down and die, and in your brokenness bring new life, bursting forth, 
a new community, a new family of God. Today is a day to love generously. Would you join me in showing love and honor one to another? As the guys come on down and they're going to they're going to get in position for the Lord's Supper in a few minutes, let me ask you a question. Um, what, what's the Lord spoken to you over the past few weeks as we've spent to, spent time together walking through this? What do you feel like the Lord has said to you? <clears throat> Not anybody else, but what do you feel like the Lord has said to you? So we've talked about loving generously. What's something that you've learned? Something that you've heard? something that's being re-emphasized, maybe you've forgotten. What's, what's, talk to me just for a second. That's really good, Mary. You know, Mary's saying, you know, it's easy. We did this at this time of the year for a specific reason. <clears throat> and it's easy to be loving and kind at Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know. And what Mary was saying is, what about the other 10 months of the year? I mean, will the, the loving generously and the, and the caring about people continue on? I mean, or will it stop and we have to wait till next Thanksgiving time to, to be a little bit more loving and a little bit more giving somebody else what else have you learned what else have you heard what's the lord spoken to you yes you feel like you are loving but there's always room for improvement that's a really good word yeah that's a that's a really good word there's always every one of us has room for improvement Somebody else, what else have you heard? Amy? Ma'am? Is the honeymoon over? Amy, you were getting ready to say something? What is your one to another? Yeah. And that's coming from somebody who gives an awful lot already. Yeah, there's, there's no joy greater than giving to someone who can't pay you back. See, most of us, is I, I, this is true, how many of us give as long as there's an indication that you'll get it back in some type of a way? Mike? Not enough. <clears throat> That's a good word, Mike. Not enough. Am, am I too satisfied? Have I gotten too comfortable? It's a good word. Do what? Blessing those who offend offend you. Tim, you raise your finger.
for those that, that are on that course and trying to love generously, stay the course, don't become discouraged. You know, you may, it may be years before you see the impact. You know, how many of us living in this generation, guys, we wanted this immediate response? You know, I want to see the, the results right now. It may be years before we see. Melvin? Every day is a new opportunity. There's nothing wrong with programs, but God's design is that we as believers meet the needs of the world. Why do we always look for the church, the build, you know, the organization? Why do we look to that to provide you with opportunities when we should be looking for opportunities ourselves and not waiting on the church to provide that? I mean, it's good for the church to collectively come together and do those things, and we do that. But... Not at the extent, guys, that you should be looking for those things in your own life. You should be free to be able to look for those opportunities. It's a good word. How many of us struggle with the fact of, but they just don't deserve it? Honest? How many have sometimes struggled with, but you just don't understand, they don't deserve it? I remember being in Nicaragua a few years ago, and Rick and Mary were with us the other day from Nicaragua, and um, some of you know that they had brought this young boy that they had found on the streets into the home. We don't know how old Hoel was at that time, but they found him living up underneath a, a set of stairwells up in the mountains <clears throat> in, a, in a city, and, uh, um, and Mary and Rick had brought Howell into the home, and they had treated him like family and, I mean, done multiple things to try to help him out. But because of the abuse and the issues that he had faced early on in life, it was very hard for him to adapt to a home situation. Um, and so he would run away. He would steal things. He would do things he wasn't, wasn't supposed to do. And they'd put him in the rehab up in the mountains. And uh, I happened to be there one day, and one of the guys was giving Howell the right act and basically looked at him, and in Spanish, and I had to have William interpret for me, he basically looked at him and, and, and said, you don't deserve Dr. Rick and Miss Mary's love. You don't deserve it. And I put my hand on his shoulder, and I stopped him. And it, and it hit me. It really hit me hard because... He was saying he didn't deserve it because he wasn't acting the right way. And then I'll, I'll begin to think about how many of us don't deserve God's love because we act just like Coel to our Heavenly Father. And yet he consistently pursues us and pursues us and pursues us and pursues us when we act the way that we act. And do we deserve it? But he does it. And you know why Jesus came to give his life? Not because he knew that we would all eventually give our lives to him, but he gave it in spite of the fact, knowing that some of us would still turn our back and walk away. And you may be here today, and you may be in a place saying, I just don't deserve God's love because of all the stuff that I've experienced in my life. But that's exactly why Jesus came.
because you may not deserve it, but he, he freely gave it because he loves you. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, there's no greater day than to give your life to Christ than right now. Would you bow your heads with me just for a second? The greatest love that was ever given was when our Heavenly Father sent his Son and the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God loved us and he gave us something that only he could give, his son Jesus. For you, the only opportunity is for you to humble yourself, to do away with that pride, to surrender and submit and say, yes, Jesus, I believe. And if you're here today and have never trusted Christ, what is it that stops you from saying, Jesus, I want to believe? Just like Kim did back in August the 29th or whatever that date was. Jesus, today I want to believe. I want to trust you. I want to submit my life. I want to give you my life and I want to follow you. Right there where you are, you have the ability to pray that. If that's you and you're saying, today I want to make that decision to trust Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to call you out. But if that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are today? I want to receive Jesus. I want to believe. I want to trust him. Is there anybody here? Today, I want to follow Christ. For those of us that are believers in this room today, we've been challenged to not only live as Jesus lived, but to love as Jesus loved. That's a challenge for us. So how will we take what's been given to us? How will we take what we've learned over the past several weeks and how will we apply that to our lives?